Um, like I said, I am really glad you're here. Really glad you're here because um, what we're talking about today uh, is important. We're going to get set free from fear of loss. And this is huge. This is huge. See, today we're going to be looking at what the fear of loss does to us, what God's guidance is on the fear of loss, on facing loss, why we still struggle, even in that, with fear of loss, how Jesus suffered loss for us, and how to get free. So as you see, we get a lot of work to do. i got to pray. Lord, um, lots to do, and we're counting on you to do it. Lord, what we need is to hear from you. What we need, please, is for you to show us yourself and, and show us ourselves and then change us so that we can live in the light of who you are and how you love and what you do. And Lord, you want to set us free. And we want to leave here different than when we came in. But for that to happen, Lord, you've got to speak. And it's got to be through your spirit. And you've got to give us ears to hear and eyes to see, so stand in my body, use my voice, and glorify your name only. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. If you got your uh, worksheets, we're going to be moving on this. What the fear of loss does to us. 1984, living in New Orleans, I'm in college. The World's Fair is in New Orleans. Part of the World's Fair that year is uh, the treasures of King Tut, right? Now, um, that's part of it. So the ancient Egyptians, you go to King Tut, you know, have you seen that anywhere? Like they buried him with all his gold, with all his treasure. And because the ancient Egyptians believed that in the afterlife, you might want and need that stuff and be coming back for it. But the fact that I paid 10 bucks to go see his stuff 3,100 years later, I think is a little bit of proof that you can't take it with you. It reminds me uh, of a story of, of the really kind of bitter man uh, who was married to a woman in a very strained marriage, and he, he was just bad to her. He was very stingy, although he didn't need to be. Never, never gave her anything nice, never allowed her uh, to do anything fun. They never went out to eat, never got new clothes. And I mean, things... And, and then... He's so stingy, like he gets word that he only has weeks to live. So he makes his wife sign a contract, a legal contract, that she is going to take uh, his secret stash of $2 million, right? She didn't even know he had this. $2 million in cash. She's going to take it, that and put it in his coffin and bury it with him. And he makes her best friend sign as a witness. So... True to form, uh, you know, this guy, a couple weeks later, dies at, at the funeral. The wife goes to the coffin before they close it, puts an envelope in there. They close it up, and the, the friend who signed as a witness came to her and asked, so did you put all the, his money in the coffin like you promised you would? She said, of course I did. She said, well, how did you get all that cash in that envelope in the, in the coffin? She says, well, I was worried it wouldn't be any room, so I just wrote him a check, <laughs> right? So, so we know, we know the fact that you're laughing is either awkward because you feel bad for me or, or it's because you get the fact 
that, that at some level we know that we can't take it with us when we die. But here's something that you and I don't know so well. It, it is that we can't take, hold on to people and things while we're alive. While we're alive. Um, in fact, this is true. This is true. At some point in your life, you're going to lose everything and every person who is important to you. Okay, have a great week. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is true, though. It's sobering, but it's true. Psychology Today, right? Far from a Christian publication, but a, but a good publication in its field. Great book, great. Um, had an article by a noted psychologist that talked about the insanity of our fear of loss when we know we're going to lose things. Here, here's what he wrote. Here's what he wrote. He says, we worry about losing things all of us are going to lose anyway. We're so worried about losing them, we would do absolutely anything to avoid losing them. In fact, we would sacrifice everything we love, if necessary, just to avoid the thought of losing everything we love. He's saying that's cray-cray. Those are my words, not him. Right? So just on a secular level, just on a, a logical level, society is saying it doesn't make sense to fear losing that which you know you're going to lose anyway. But if you don't have Jesus, the best advice the world has to give you is stop it. Stop it. Right? We need more than that. So, so you're going to get more than that. So we're going to press into Jesus Christ today. So how would you, before we do, how would you complete the sentence? The person or thing I most fear losing or, or living without is blank. The person or thing I most fear losing or living without is blank. Now, husbands, husbands, if you're sitting next to your wife, and she is watching you complete this. Do not in that blank put your truck, the remote control, or the name of your dog. Okay? I'm just, I love you, man. I'm here for you. You put whatever you want. But in your mind, in your heart, I want you to identify the person who thinks I most fear losing or living without. Okay. The fact is, that somebody in this room has likely walked through the loss of what you fear. Let me show you what I mean. I'm going to need everybody's help with this. Okay, you just want to be honest. I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass you or anything, but it, I would ask you to stand if you've ever lost your job. Okay, stand if you've ever lost your job. I'm standing. I'm not talking about misplacing your job. I'm talking about you got fired or laid off, right? Okay, God bless you. God, God bless you. Now, the, these are the people who thought about lying but didn't. Okay, good for you. Lazy, okay, the ones who stand up last. Back down. Stand up if you've ever lost your house. Yeah, because you couldn't, you either got evicted or, or repoed or uh, bankrupt or, yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Okay, we're going to get a little harder. We're going to get a little, now when I say lost, when I say lost now, I'm talking about lost as in died, okay? I'd like you to stand up if you've ever lost to death a dear friend. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, please be seated. I'd like you to stand up if you've ever lost a parent. A parent has died. Look how many people. Okay, be seated. I'd like you to stand up. Yeah, you lost it all. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever lost a sibling? Brother, sister? Stand up. We're getting there, man. Sit down. Stand up, please, if you've ever lost a spouse. You ever been widowed or widower? Yeah. God bless you. God bless you, man. Stand up, please, if you've ever lost a child. outlived one of your kids. Please be seated. The hurt, my heart, my heart, the hurt that is in this room. The hope that is in this room. Now what you just saw, and, and we could keep going, we could keep going, could, could either bring you great fear or great hope. Great fear because all that loss, you know that you could be next. Right? You, you could be next. I could be next. Great hope because all these people, at least the ones that, and I can only speak for the ones I know well, and quite a few of them, w would tell you that this loss is tremendous. But in the midst of that, Jesus Christ, even and especially, brings hope and healing and comfort in the loss. And you will know him in his presence deeply. They, they would tell you that. So there's great fear, but there's great hope and healing and comfort. I have a little game I want to play. We're going to lighten it up a little bit. And what better way to lighten it up than with bubbles? That's what I always say. Okay, so look, look at this. Now you're thinking, Tom, you could have had a career as a professional bubble blower. Yes, I don't like to brag, but yes, I could. So here's the game. Here's the game. What I want you to do as I blow bubbles for you is try to hold on to them, okay? Keep them as long as you can. Okay, good luck. You let me know how you do. Maybe this section will do better. Okay, good. You keep them. Keep them as long as you can. All right. Let me know how you're doing. Anybody? Anybody still got their bubbles? You still got your bubbles? No, you don't. Would you like these? Because they're, they're like Powerpuff Girls or something. And I can't really pull that off. Would you like that? Yes, they're yours. Okay. Um, you think that's silly, but the ability to hold on to and keep that bubble, you're about as good at that as you and I are holding on to the people and things in this life that we are eventually going to lose. And, and in the span of eternity, your life is about the lifespan of that bubble. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying this to, to upset us. I'm saying just rock us a little bit 
so that we get some perspective. How much of what you fear losing are you still going to have 100 years from now? This is the King Tut question. How much of what you and I stay up late at night and, and wrestle with and, and fear losing, are we, we're going to have 100 years from now. But because we know loss is inevitable, we worry, we hoard, we cling, we fear, we get stingy, right? Uh, we, we overcommit. When we suffocate and we cling to, or we don't commit at all, we can't commit because we can't get too close because we, we fear loss. We fear abandonment. We're not going to commit. Or, God forbid, we photograph. Oh, please save me. We photograph, right? Like, I know we have a couple of professional photographers in this church, and, and my apologies to you. I don't, I'm not mocking you, but I have a sister-in-law who is relentless about taking pictures, taking pictures. Oh, we're having a cup of coffee. Oh, we're taking out the trash. Oh, we're sitting down. Let me capture this moment. Let me save this moment. It's like I'm on America's Next Top Model. All over again. Right? I thought I had done, I was done with that part of my life. It's crazy. I, I, I think we think that if we photograph this stuff enough, we're not going to lose it. Apparently, some of you are really concerned about losing your food because you post a lot of pictures of it on Facebook. I'm just saying. But I think if the Apostle Paul were here, if the Apostle Paul were here, he'd probably say, what's with sitting in circles? This is very weird. Are you sure you're Baptist? I mean, no. If the Apostle Paul were here, I think he'd be standing up just like Tom Barber was. If we said, who has lost everything? The Apostle Paul would stand up. And he would stand up joyfully. Why is that? Because he wrote this. Take a look. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost. You have your worksheets. I want you to circle everything as lost. Because of what? Because of the surpassing worth, which means this is so much better of knowing Christ Jesus. I want you to underline, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's saying this, losing, that was a great deal. Losing everything, dating Christ. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Circle suffered the loss of all things. And count them comparatively. You put the two things that He's not saying they are rubbish. I count them as rubbish compared to that I might gain Christ. Underline, gain Christ. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. I've lost all things. I've gained Christ. I'm willing to lose everything for Jesus. Because that's a great deal. I'd make that deal all day long. And you and I, we struggle with holding on to people and things for ourselves. And Paul is saying, I've lost it all for Jesus. And that is the deal you need to make. The, the problem is that you and I need to think differently about what we cling to, what we hold on to, and what we let go. What we hold in a closed hand and what we hold in an open hand, right? He's saying, I have received Jesus Christ. And because of that, that is so phenomenal that I am willing to hold that in a closed hand. I will hold everything else, everything else in an open hand, okay? 
Because this life, I went on a rant last week about this, so I won't do that again. But this life is not what it's about. I have the riches of God. I hold everything in an open hand except for God. I hold him in a closed hand. And I hold these things in an open hand. So if he wants to put things in them, he can put things in them. If he wants to take things out of them, he can take things out of them. But that's in an open hand. But I got him, and I'm never going to lose him. And he is everything to me. And with that perspective, that's free. Because Jesus is far better, far, far better than anything in my open hand. As precious and beautiful as those things, as those people are, far, far better and if that makes no sense to you, I get you. I, I get you. But it can. If it makes no sense to you, my friend, you may not know and trust Jesus Christ to know what he's talking about, to know what, what we're testifying about. I encourage you to do that. You'll have a chance to do that. And I think about this kind of thing. I think about my mom. And, and if you have... a hung around with us for any length of time, you probably know that my mom is a Catholic nun, right? Um, which is a great way to start a conversation. Tell people your mom's a nun, right? But when you do that, you got to make sure they're not drinking anything hot. They just didn't take a sip because they're, they're going to spit it at you, right? <coughs> well, well, apparently not a very good nun, right? Well, my, my presence. No, no, she is. Stop! That's my mother! <laughs> She's a Carmelite, lay Carmelite nun, and the Carmelites have this branch where if you are widowed young, you see my mom was 42, right? And her husband of 21 years, my father, had passed away, right? So uh, the Carmelites say that if you are Catholic and, and you're widowed young, and you're willing to take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and you're willing to wear an Obi-Wan Kenobi robe and sensible shoes for the rest of your life. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can wear any kind of shoes you want. Okay, but the robe, yeah. Um, then you can become a part of this order. So she said, you know, after my dad died, I got to be married to the man of my dreams for 21 years. And Jesus took him home. So why not get married to the love of my life, who is Jesus Christ? And so she did. And, and that's what she did. And, and the apostle Paul, and to an, a lesser extent, my mom, they knew something. They, they knew something so deep that if we can get there, if we can get there, we would have no fear of loss, no grasping. No, I am not saying that it does not hurt. It hurts deeply. But, but, but the foundation of who you are, the foundation of, of, of where your hope lies, where your peace lies, is secure. It's secure. That's free. That's worth getting free from, the fear of loss of any kind. We're going to modify what we said a few minutes ago, okay? At some point in your life, you are going to lose everything and every person who is important to you, except Jesus Christ, except Jesus, you're not going to lose him. Like I could go scripture upon scripture, the fact that, we're, and we're going to see. Let's build on this. So let having Jesus be more than enough for you. Be more than enough for you because he is more than enough. 
I'm here to tell you, I am here to tell you, he is more than enough. You and I will eventually lose everything other than Jesus. And there's great hope, great hope in that. So let me, let me hold Jesus in a closed hand and let me hold everyone and everything else in an open hand. That's what we, that's what we do. That's what we're going to do. Okay, number two. That was by far the longest one right there. Okay, number two, God's guidance on facing loss. Let me summarize it in this one statement. You can't lose that which was never yours to begin with. His words, not mine. Here, here's how he said it in the Psalms, right? The earth is the Lord's and everything that's on it or in it. The world and all its people belong to who? Him. Belong to him. Everything you and I have owned, everything we've wanted to own and, and may never own, everything we used to own, everything we desire and admire, who does it belong to? Him. Every person that we love, that we want and need in our lives, who do they belong to? Him. It's as if God has everything and he has put on people and things, post-it notes, right, that says, Mine, 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 right? And, and when we forget that, that's when we start pe treating people wrong, right? Don't we? Don't we? And, and if it's his, he has loaned that to us. He has loaned them to us. And someday he's going to want it back. Like the chainsaw, you loaned your neighbor. Someday you're going to stop waiting for it and you're going to go get it. He's going to want it back. He's going to come take it. And that's okay because it's his. And that makes great sense, especially if you know and trust Jesus Christ. If you have trusted him, then not only has he put this post-it note on you that says, mine, you're glad about that. You surrendered to that. You say, I'm yours. I'm yours. So he has loaned you to us and to the people in your life for a time. And when he wants you back, he's going to come get you back. He's going to come take you forever. And that is not fearful. That is of great comfort because you and I get to live as beloved children of a loving father who holds, owns, and keeps all things and all people as he holds, owns, and keeps us. Do you see the freedom in that? Because the only thing you lose to him is nothing. Owns it all. Owns it all. You're thinking of exceptions. We're going to get there. Second reason God's guidance facing loss. We're doing okay. You should not fear loss in this life because of the glory of eternal life with him. It's a war of two lives, right? You get this life overemphasized and the other one loses its power to influence and bless your life. That's what we do. We focus on this life. What's, it's very popular, and I know, I hear it all the time on campus and in town and see posts and Instagram. Like, she's living her best life. He's living his best life. I'm living my... Oh, please, no. God, no. I am not living my best life now. If you are living your best life now, the only way that's possible is that you're going to hell. Okay? No, it's true. 
I'm not living my best life now. Now, I got a great life. I'm very thankful for it. I am very grateful. I love life. But this ain't my best life. As good or as bad as it gets, this is as bad as it gets. Because of Jesus Christ, it only gets better when I check out. And that can be true for you. Not because I'm a good man, but because he's a great Savior. That can be true for you. You know and trust him. Okay. He says, but as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. That's what our desire is. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He said, not camping out in this world. Eyes are set on the next. For he has prepared for them a city. There's more. There's more. Do not fill up on the appetizer. Wait till you see what's for dinner. Oh, and dessert is to die for. Eh? And this meal lasts an eternity. This ain't it. So stop getting all balled up about this. This life is preparation for the next. As joyful, as hard as it gets, Paul's saying, look, I've lost it all. And I'm the luckiest, blessed man in the world because I have Jesus Christ. That's being faithful. Goes on. But according to his promise, we are waiting, Peter writes, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth. You want to underline that in your, in your worksheet, right? Which, in which righteousness dwells. Like, I, I, I love this because it makes me chuckle at people when they talk about their bucket list. I got to do this. I got to go here. I got to experience this. I got to do this. Like, I get it. But, like, like uh, be really cool. If I got to go to Italy, maybe, maybe, Shree, God willing, will, and I will be able to do that. But you know what? If not, that's okay. Well, you only have one life. Really? Yeah, you don't. You don't in Christ. And this new heavens, new earth, do you know much about life after life after death? God's plan is not to obliterate creation. That would let Satan win. He is making all things new. He is recreating in the way, free from sin, that everything was intended to be. You think Crested Butte is beautiful. It's fallen. It's affected by sin. Wait till you see it the way it was meant. Wait till you see everything the way it was meant to be. I'm going, I'm going to Italy. I may not see fallen Italy. I'm going to see risen Italy, okay? That's a miss me. Takes, takes the pain off. We're going to talk about that more when we get to fear, uh, being set free from fear of uh, missing out. But I'm not going to tell you what week we're going to do that so you don't miss out on the stuff that's between now and then. See, it's very deep, very deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lastly, here we go. For, for this light momentary affliction. This light momentary affliction. What is that? What is, it, what is he telling us? Light momentary affliction. Well, that's imprisonment. That, uh, this is Paul, right? He's been whipped uh, like 40 lashes minus one several times, stoned, imprisoned. You're like, I don't have self-service. My life is so bad. He's got, sister, I'm going to tell you about self-service. They didn't bring my water today. And when they did, it had a rat in it. Okay, that's self-service, right? This light momentary affliction, that's what he calls it. 
what he's been through. Light momentary, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. It goes on. I didn't, didn't list this verse. For we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. Oh, there you are. Transient means they're here, they're gone. Momentary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. I'm, I'm not lying to you. The things that are unseen are more real and more permanent than things that are, are seen. The things that we think about so infrequently are more eternal and more real in your life and in your existence than the things we obsess over constantly. And when we get that perspective, it lets us look at our, our sufferings as severe as they are, our light and momentary afflictions compared to unspeakable joy and peace and comfort that will transform your right now into freedom and faith. So why do we still struggle with fear of loss? We're going to do this with one point. Because our contentment is tied too often to our ability to hold on to people and things rather than Jesus. How do I know this? Because of the popularity of this verse. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's a great verse. How many of us have, have this as one of our life verses? Oh, come on. I have, I have bracelets with this on it. I have it tattooed in a place I can't show you. Come on. That's a lie. But um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We use it for everything. I can be an incredible athlete through Christ who gives me strength. You can, maybe. I can't. Right? I can be a, a raging success. I can, I can have this strength. I can have this ability. I can achieve this or that goal. Let's, let's get this straight. If you have your strength coming from Christ, if you are trusting in Christ, yes, he can do through you and in you things that you nor no other human can do in the natural. True, 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 true. Also true, you don't get to pick what those things are. Right? So we tend to apply this to everything. So it's a little Bible study. A text taken out of context leaves us with a con. And nobody likes a con. So let's put it back in context. What does this actually mean? We back up a sentence and a half and we see it crystal clear. Here is what Paul wrote. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be, say that word with me, content. Circle that. That's what it's about. I'm content, man. doesn't matter what you do to me. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is about dealing contentedly with loss, not about I can be happy if you ramp up the gain. Oops doesn't mean that you don't count on Christ. Yes, but this is about I can deal with it all. I can deal with the loss because I'm content in Christ. God taking from me, he gives and takes away. We say, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. It doesn't, doesn't change. My contentedness is there. You take out of the 
open hand, you put in the open hand, I got you in the closed hand, I'm good because you're good. And you got me and I got you and everything else, everything else we can deal with. I am content. He is saying this. Look, I had lots of stuff. He was very rich. I've been whipped and stripped in prison. He's saying I could be happy with a mansion. I could be happy when I'm homeless. I can be happy on top. I can be content on bottom. I can be happy shopping at Whole Foods. By the way, by the way, so we're on this business trip like a week and a half ago for Western, and Sheree's like driving me from appointment to appointment. She's like my Uber, Uber driver. And very, very happy that she is. It's a beautiful thing. And I might have been getting a little cranky because I was hungry. Maybe. Um, so there's a Whole Foods there, and she like pushes me out the door. She goes, go get something to eat, and then come back. I'm going to be right here. So go to the, I go, what do I do? Yeah, Whole Foods, right? Um, go to the salad bar. You can get like grilled veggies. So I throw the grilled veggies in the styrofoam. 1850! 1850! Okay, that's a sermon for another time. He, I could be happy shopping at Whole Foods and eating that. 1850. Or... I can be happy, just as happy, eating the creepy frozen stuff at the Dollar Tree, right? Or going to bed hungry. I got, look, I'm content. I'm content. It doesn't matter. It's all gain. It's all loss. I got Christ. I got everything. That's free. That's free. And that's what I can do all things through Christ means. Hold on to Jesus in your closed hand, everything else in the open hand. Here we go. Four. How did Jesus suffer loss for us? How did Jesus suffer loss for us? Jesus made us rich, filthy, clean, beautiful, overwhelmingly rich through his loss. Scripture says, for you know, and I pray that you personally know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, how rich? He owns everything. Didn't we, didn't we say that? Owns everything. Owns everyone. Yet for our sake, he became poor. How did he do that? On the cross. He gave away his throne. He gave up his right to everything and everybody to be treated as he deserves, as creator, as Lord, as Savior. He, he took the penalty that we deserved upon himself. He became as poor as poor could be, naked and bleeding. So that you, so that you, by that poverty, might become rich. That you might have him in all his glory. Him in all his power. Him in all his love. Him in all his treasure. Glory in him. Glory. Means you might have freedom. You might be set free from him to be his son, uh, his brother, his sister, the son or daughter of the father, wanting him enter into that group public of God, be a child. You want to be part of the royal family. This is better. This is better. That you might become rich. Jesus in his cross proved that God is good even when loss is painful. Paul writes this to the Roman church. He who did not spare his own son, God the Father, right? 
but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with Jesus graciously give us all things? God, life isn't fair. You haven't seen all of life. You haven't seen eternal life. You want to do fair? Don't do fair. Do grace. This hurts, I know, and I'm going through it with you. But he who has turned, she who has, who has given up houses or wives or children, is, you're going to get a hundred times more. And me. And eternity. Give them all things. Look, you, if you ever wanted to be a trust funder, you're a trust funder. Here's the question. Do you trust the funder? Okay? That's what it is. Here it is. Jesus showed us that loss is the doorway to eternal gain. Makes you see it differently, doesn't it? Here it is. He said, this is Jesus' words. If you try to hang on to your life, if you hold your life in your closed hand, you're going to lose it. But if, if you hold up your life and everything precious to you in an open hand, if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save it. You're going to save it. I will save it. Missionary, 28 years old, went to the Aconcagua people. His name was Jim Elliott. Here's what he was killed by the very people he was trying to share the gospel with. Here's what he wrote. He is no fool. She is no fool who risks what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. That's what he did. Yes, but his life was snuffed out. No, his life blew up. He's more alive now than he's ever been. You ask him right now in eternity, worth it? Oh, yeah. Your, your, your wife, though, yeah, yes, she will tell you, worth it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In surrender, you win the war. In giving, you receive. In dying to self, you are born again to eternal life. That is the truth. In loss and me realizing how weak and desperate and dependent on Jesus Christ that I am just to get out of bed, just to face the day, just for everything. That allows you, that allows me to walk as more than a conqueror in his victory. It is the opposite of what this dark and confusing and confused world will tell you. That loss is the doorway to eternal gain. So how do we get free? And then we'll let you go home. You can pick up your kids too before then. <laughs> how to get free. You have to know Jesus and surrender your life to him. I'm not making this up. Apostle Paul wrote to his protege Timothy, I know the one in whom I trust. If you have your worksheets, I want you under uh, circle rather. I know, I trust. I know, I trust. I know Jesus, I trust Jesus. And I am sure that he, Jesus, is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. But none of this, zero, makes any sense. You can't go past this until you get to this. I know him and I trust him. I don't just know about him. I know him personally. He, he's not just the religious part of my life. He is my life. 
I trust him. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And for so many of us, I, I just want you to be sure that you're sure that you're sure you have turned over your life completely to him. It, it, we're going to bow your heads right now. It, I just want you to pray. If this is you, you want to make sure, Lord, because you must, you must know him and you must trust him. Lord, I come to you. Make this your prayer. I want to know you personally, Jesus. I want to trust you with all my life, with all my heart. I want to trust you as my, my Lord, as my Savior. I believe, Lord, that you came for me, that you went to the cross for me to die for my sins so that I could be washed clean and made part of your family. I believe you rose again to give me new and everlasting life with you. Come in. I turn over the rights of my life to you. I receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've got to know and you've got to trust. You surrender your life. Surrender every piece of your life to him. That's what we do. That's what we do. Check this out. Nothing and no one that you lose to God is ever lost, but is saved for you. Saved for you. Jesus is the only safe deposit box. How do I know? Comes up. Well, second thing we need to do. Surrender your loved ones to Jesus. There are people you, you are concerned about because you love them, but they don't know how much God loves them. So they haven't done what we did, right? They don't know, they don't trust, and you're, worried, you're concerned about them. Here's a great promise. Jesus said, all those the Father has given to me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Never, never. And this is the will of God, the Father, that I should lo not lose even one, not lose even one of all those he has given me, but I should raise them up on the last day. So this is what we do. We take the people that we love and we say, Lord, Father, give this person to Jesus Christ. If you do, they will come and he will never lose. You've got to pray for them. You've got to intercede for them every day. And you're also going to pray that God will use you not just in your prayers, but in your words, in your heart, in your service, other people. You want to bring them here? We're going to tell them, right? But you're going to share with them. Because nobody and nothing that you lose to God is ever lost. So if you're really, really serious about wanting to keep things, you can't, he can so you're going to surrender all things, including ourselves, and all people. And we're going to pray. And we're going to tell. And we're going to plead. And we'll even stand up in front of people and make a fool of ourselves shouting, right? Whatever it takes. Because he holds all things together. I want you, during this response time, you got two hands. Uh, put your hands in your lap. One hand, I'd like you to keep clenched, okay? 
The other hand, I'd like you to keep open. The challenge to us, the call to us, is to make sure that the only thing that is in this clenched hand is Jesus Christ. When I have sacrifice, when I have let go of everything else, even the people most precious to me, I'm beholden on to you. You put everything else on the throne and surrender it to him. Because nothing unsurrendered is his. But everything surrendered and lost to him is kept. We've got some work to do. He loves you dearly. Let's go to the Lord.